G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. My hunch is the whole Christmas thing began well before that starry night in Bethlehem, a long time before. The question is, how come God came up with it? I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're going to open the Word of God to discover the heart behind Christmas, the shepherd heart of God. Amazing. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about my latest life application booklet. It's called The Shepherd Heart of God and I'd love to send you a free copy to help you experience firsthand the enormity of of God's love for you. I have to tell you, it is hard to believe that we're on the home straight again. Just turn that corner into December again. The end of another year. The shops are full of Christmas decorations. You know, it seems like just yesterday it was January, and here we are, another one over. It's hard to believe. As I sat down this year to think about messages for December, you know, the whole Christmas, New Year thing, I just felt that this year we need to take some time and start looking and talking about Christmas just a bit early. You know, this whole rush, rush, rush thing that many of us go through, and then in the middle of it all, in this clamour and noise and busyness at the end of the year, you hear ministers talking about the real meaning of Christmas. Yeah, right. I just want to get over the line. I just want to finish the year. you ever thought about this? The challenge for ministers and people like me is to talk about Christmas each year. In part, there's a sense of, well, what do I say? I mean, it's Christmas. We all know the story. We all know the meaning. Hmm. Do we? Really? Rush, rush, rush. Buy the turkey, the Christmas pantomime, and then it's all over. And all the time, you know, People are living lives that fall so short of, of, well, a full life, a satisfying life. Now, sometimes people criticise me for saying things like that. You, you religious people are always telling us that our lives fall short. You, you tell us something is missing. You tell us this and that. There's a tension between what I call the advertising industry view of the world on the one hand, you know, the, the glossy images of success we're all trying to live up to, and the reality on the other. And it's not just me. There's a great song by Sting a few years ago called Message in a Bottle. Remember that one? This is how the lyrics start off. Just a castaway, an island lost at sea. Oh, another lonely day, and no one here but me. Oh, more loneliness than any man could bear. Rescue me before I fall into despair. I'll send you an SOS to the world. I hope that someone gets my message in a bottle. And it finishes up like this. Walked out this morning, don't believe what I saw. 
100 billion bottles washed up on the shore. Seems I'm not alone at being alone. 100 billion castaways looking for a home. I'll send an SOS to the world. I hope that someone gets my message in a bottle. It's a song that connected with a lot of people. It's a song that tells it just the way things are for so many people. It slips under that thin veneer of of so-called success, all those glossy, successful images the advertising industry uses to get us to buy their stuff. And somehow this song, Message in a Bottle, speaks to the heart. It's real. So what are you saying, Bernie? That we're all a bunch of losers? No, not that. Look around. There are so many people succeeding, doing amazing things. They're talented, they're able, they're committed. There's lots of good stuff happening in the world, mixed up with lots of bad stuff too. It's always been that way. I guess, though, I want to think for a moment about this whole message in a bottle thing. Is it true? Are there a whole bunch of lonely people out there? I was reading an article in the weekend newspaper the other day about the internet and blogging. The word blog is short for weblog. It's where people, mostly young, but plenty of not so young as well, get online on the internet and they share their thoughts and their photos and their videos on this, like it's like a personal billboard for the whole world to see. How many people do you think there are on the internet blogging? You know, people with their own personal blog sites. Over a hundred million. A hundred million, all sending out their message in a bottle. All crying out to be noticed, all all wanting to be significant. I asked my daughter, what's it all about? I mean, you know, why do you do this blogging thing? And she said it's all about how many friends you can have subscribing to your blog. Whether it's on myspace.com or YouTube or... It seems like this message in a bottle thing is happening in a way today that Sting could never have imagined when he wrote that song a few years ago. Maybe you're not a blogger, I'm not. But you know what I'm talking about? There's this search for significance. Looking for that place where finally I found myself. I've discovered who I am. There's a deep sense of satisfaction about life and and me and how I fit in. Well, often it's not so much about our circumstances, but just about... Finding who we are and connecting and, and, and knowing why we're here and what our future is and where we're going. People are sending out their messages in a bottle in the most amazing way. Sometimes it's through crime. It's about attention, about wanting to be noticed and needed. Yet the vast majority, I believe, live out life without ever really discovering who they are and why they're here and where they're going. Here we are, the beginning of December, hurtling towards Christmas. I know what you're thinking. Isn't it a bit early for you to be talking about Christmas, Bernie? Well, not really. The shops have had their Christmas decorations up for weeks now. We're taking an early look at Christmas over these next few weeks because Christmas started well before Christmas, well before that starry night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. The first Christmas started a long time before that. We know that Christmas probably wasn't in December because the shepherds were unlikely to be tending their flocks out by night in the middle of winter. And I guess we all kind of know the Christmas story. 
the whole baby Jesus born in a manger thing, Mary and Joseph and the donkey and the shepherds and the wise men from the east, all that stuff. But my hunch is the whole Christmas thing started well before that night in Bethlehem. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. The love that God has for you, whatever you have going on in your life at the moment, however challenging things may be, is something that words can't describe. And sadly, all too often, we can completely lose sight of the enormity of that love, His love. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, The Shepherd Heart of God, at this special time of year. And with the life application questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to drink in that love right in the midst of all that you have going on in your life. Because God's Word is alive and active. Amen? So I'm praying that He'll help you experience the enormity of His love for you through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Right, let's head back now into God's Word. I was saying before the break that the whole Christmas thing started well before that night in Bethlehem. In fact, we know it did. If, if you look through the Old Testament, if you've got a Bible, grab it because we're going to go there in a minute. The, the old Hebrew scriptures, 39 books written by different people over many centuries before Jesus was born. And the Old Testament contains a whole bunch of predictions or prophecies about Jesus. Some are very, very specific, like he would be born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, of the tribe of Judah, the house of David. Well over a hundred, and that's a conservative estimate. It predicted how he would die. It predicted there would be soldiers gambling away his clothes, all sorts of things, things that Jesus would have found pretty hard to arrange for himself, unless, of course, he was who he says he was. Kind of a weird thing. What was God up to? Why these predictions throughout the Old Testament about Jesus, the Son of God? In fact, can I ask even a more direct question than that? Why Jesus at all? I mean... Why send Jesus, his only son, to become a man and ultimately to die for you and me? Why not just forgive us and be done with it? I mean, I'm sorry to sound cynical, but why the theatrics? This is how I used to think. Not bad questions, really. One of these places in the Old Testament that points forward to Jesus and shows us the shepherd heart of God happens in the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 34. If you've got a Bible, open it up. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 11. This is what it says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And again in verse 16, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd my flock with justice. See, there's this sense of the heart of a shepherd 
And you see it right through the Old Testament, over and over again, God talking about his shepherd heart, his heart to be in our midst. What if, what if God saw all our bottles lying on that beach, like we heard in that, that song, the lyrics from Message in a Bottle? What if he heard the cry of our hearts? What if God always knew that the only way to still our hearts and satisfy our souls was for us to know him? What if, well, what if Jesus is God's message in a bottle to us, to you and me? For me, the constant theme of the Bible from beginning to end is God's heart to be in our midst. You see it over and over and over again. Remember the Exodus, when when God heard the cry of his people who were oppressed in Egypt as slaves, and he sends Moses to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so eventually they flee and God protects them and they pass through the Red Sea and then they spend 40 years in the wilderness. Let me ask you, where's God in all of this? Where's God in the wilderness? Come with me to Exodus chapter 40. It's the last chapter in the book of Exodus. We'll have a look at verses 1 to 5. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, or the tent, of the meeting place on the first day of the first month. Place the Ark of the Covenant in it, and shield the Ark with a curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Testimony, and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle, or the tent. The word tabernacle means tent. And again, later in that chapter, beginning in verse 34, it says this, Then, when Moses had done all of these things, a cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day that it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. See, all the other gods that the different nations worshipped were up on hills. They lived in temples. That's why the Old Testament talks about and condemns the high places, because people had to go to those tin-pot little gods and idols up on the temples on hills and worship them. The people went to the gods. But the real God, the God of Israel, God wanted to be in the midst of his people. This notion was so radically different. I mean, we weren't there, and so it's harder for us to appreciate how radically different God's approach is. And he was the only God that was like this. When they camped, the tabernacle, the tent of the meeting, the tent where God's presence resided, was right in the middle of them. There were 12 tribes of Israel. They would camp three to the north, three to the south, three to the east, and three to the west. God was smack bang in the middle. 
And you notice what it says here, in all the travels, Exodus chapter 40, verse 36, notice how God uses all. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they'd set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they didn't set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. That's why, again, over and over in the Scripture, you read these words, and you can read them with me here in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 11 and 12. God says, I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. Please understand with me how radical this is, how totally contrary it is to people's expectation about a God, how different the true God is, from all the other gods that all the nations worshipped. Their concept was, by and large, of appeasing the gods so they wouldn't be punished. Here, the God of Israel says, I'm a God of relationship. I want to be with my people on their journey, in the midst, all the time, where all the people can see me. And then the whole of the rest of the story of the Old Testament is about Israel's struggle with God. That word Israel literally means he struggles with God. Over and over again, God sent his prophets to call the people back to him. And over and over again, Israel rejects God and suffers the consequences. And for me, the whole of the Old Testament is kind of screaming out, it ain't working. We can't hold up our end of this bargain. We need a different approach. And so it was. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Just as we take this short break, I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would absolutely love to pray for you. Because the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could also pray for one or two others and leave them a word or two of encouragement. You can be such a mighty blessing to so many others by supporting them in this way. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So please, let us pray for you and with you, and let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. All right, let's head back into God's Word to see what else He has for us today. Christmas is such a wondrous time, and and it's true for so many of us, it's easy to miss in the hurly-burly of life. I wonder as you chew over the scriptures we've looked at today, how radical is it to you, this shepherd heart of God, this heart that God has to be in our midst. It's one thing to read about it, as God expressed it back then, but here and now, I don't know about you, but I find it easy to forget, to forget that that God is on this journey with me. 
Let's look at Ezekiel's words again. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 14. I will tend them in a good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel will be your grazing ground. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. What's this lying down business? Have you ever asked that question? Well, it's shepherd language. See, a shepherd knows that sheep will only lie down when they feel safe and when they feel at peace. And often you see it, the shepherd walks in their midst and they start to lie down because they feel safe. They don't feel like they've got to run away from danger. And for God in in this language here in Ezekiel, he's saying, by putting myself in the midst of the people, I want to bring them peace and, and rest and joy in a good pasture, in good grazing land, where they can feed on a rich pasture. So we see God with this amazing heart to be smack bang in the middle of our lives. And the logical extension of that, as he talks about it in the Old Testament, is he becomes one of us. Flesh and blood, human. It's exactly what John writes. He called Jesus the Word, the expression of who God is. God talking to us and telling us who he is through Jesus. And the beginning of John's Gospel starts this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. But look just a bit further down in that same chapter, John chapter 1, verse 14. Then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the next logical step is that God becomes man. And the word that John uses for made his dwelling among us means tabernacle or tent. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us is what John writes here. He pitched his tent right in our midst. What does that remind you of? The Exodus story we looked at just before on the program. God on our journey with us. Let's come back to the radicalness of this thing that God did. The Son of God becomes the son of man. We'll look at that and what it says to us a bit more next week. But but talk is cheap, right? I mean, anyone can talk. God can talk. But actions speak louder than words. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the shepherd heart of God in action. It's a radical step. God slips quietly into this world in a stable, humble, but not unnoticed. At Christmas, God slips quietly into our lives and on our journey. How different would our lives look if we truly came to grips with the fact that God is on this journey with us? Maybe I'm thick, but whenever troubles or opposition or tension or temptation comes in my life, I find it very, very easy to forget that through Jesus, God is on this journey with me. Like all the other nations around Israel who had gods out there, gods that they had to go to, gods that they had to shout a distance to, gods that they had to appease. You and I, when life gets hard, can be like them. You know what? The only thing that stops me from living my life under the yoke of that terrible misconception 
is that I spend a lot of time in God's word, my rock and my anchor. God speaking to me every day through his word, saying to me, I am on this journey with you. When I sent my son to become a man, one of the prime things I was saying to you is that I have come to tabernacle in your midst. I have come to be in this place with you. I have come to walk the roads that you walk, to feel the pain that you feel, to to deal with the temptations and the trials that you have to deal with. Jesus is God in our midst. That's why in Isaiah it says, they shall call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And as Jesus walks with us and we walk with him and we build that relationship, his heart is for us to lie down in good pasture, to have peace. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I know how you feel, not just because I'm God, but because I've walked the road ahead of you. I've dealt with all the things you have to deal with. I don't know about you, I wasn't born in a stable, but my saviour was. I didn't have to flee King Herod as he tried to kill me, but my saviour did. Come on, how different would our lives be if we lived them in the certain knowledge that this radical God took this radical step at Christmas. He stepped out of the comfort of heaven onto the dusty roads of Israel to walk them ahead of me, to be my God, to be with me on my journey, to be with us in our midst. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.